0: Hey everyone, welcome to SCU Buzz Podcast. I'm River, and today we'll be taking a deep dive into better understanding ourselves and others through the field of counselling. Joining me is Professor A.B. Kokodia, a professor of counselling and a registered integrative therapist. Ab is also the course coordinator for the new Bachelor of Counselling set to launch in 2024. We will be chatting about what counselling is, how it differs from psychology, and what makes a good counsellor. Welcome to the podcast, Ab. It's great to have you join us.
1: Thanks for having me, Reva. Lovely to be
0: here. So, shall we start off by you telling us a little bit about yourself and how you developed an interest in counselling?
1: So my background from um, initially is in education and psychology. And then I've done some counseling training. I have always had an interest in helping people. And I always say to people when they come to me, say that I'd like to be a um, counselor. Um, I would like to be a therapist. You know, I say, why do you want to do this? So I, I draw from my experiences. I'll say I'm, I'm the classic helper. I like to help people with whatever problems they have. I've just been there for them. And as a I started off obviously as a school teacher because I've done an education degree and then I've done further studies in um, educational psychology and then counseling. And I felt like that background brought me to where I am today as a as a practicing counselor and academic and researcher. So that's where I am right now just I'm at the place where I be like let's train people you know let's do a bit of counsellor education and help people get to that place where they would also like to um, be practicing
0: um, counsellors. Mm. So would you be able to tell us exactly what counselling is and how counsellors differ from psychologists or therapists or as you said just then as well that you'd also studied educational psychology?
1: Yeah, the, the, I get that question a lot. They're like, "What's the difference?" Besides the fact that um, psychologists have a Medicare provider number, counselors do not. What happened is, with counseling, it was it was not a reg- regulated profession. Um, we're getting to that point now where you to to be endorsed as a practicing professional counselor, you want to be part of um the professional bodies ACA, that's the Australian Counseling Association, or PACPA, which is the Psychotherapy and Counseling Federation of Australia. They endorse the counselors and um, professional counselors. With the psychologists, they always the APS and um, there's um, the professional bodies and that are registered for um, psychologists, where psychologists are protected professionally, it's, it's, you know, they've had this fight many years ago where they got recognized. With counselors, we do not diagnose. We're not doing any diagnosis. We're not telling you you're bipolar. We're not telling you you have ADHD. We're not doing the intelligence testing or any of all of that. What we do is more of the talking therapies uh, where, where we um, psychologists, there is a prescribed way to do things, where it's CBT, which is cognitive behavior therapy. We within the counseling profession tend to do, obviously, we will do so CBT, that's cognitive behavior therapy and other kind of approaches um, to counseling, but we are not going to diagnose. The clients. That's the difference. That's not the role of,
0: of a counsel. Um, so what is the science behind talk therapy and what type of benefits does it have? The way I see it,
1: and based on what the research has shown, what we do realistically as as counselors is we talk, you know, kind of to the client, kind of addressing the psychological issues that they are having. You know, we're supportive, it's a guided conversation. Um, which can lead to profound changes in, in the individual's thoughts, their emotions, um, behaviors, and their overall well-being. So now, the science behind it is that we we believe that much of what we're doing will help the person long term. You know, uh, w- whether it's a trauma they're going through, and just being able to sit with that emotion and um, being able to facilitate the integration. Of those traumatic memories so whatever for example a person's been some, through something traumatic or an experience just sitting with the counselor talking to the person that's a talking therapy so when facilitating the process to help them reduce the distress associated um, with whatever they've been through and that leads to long-term healing so it's it's just helping the person get to that place where the traumatic event it reduces the distress of it associated with it. Does that make sense?
0: Yeah, 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 that makes a lot of sense. You know, what kind of institutions and organisations can counsellors find themselves working in or can uh, people find counsellors if they want to talk to somebody?
1: Counsellors are everywhere. What, I, what I've um, experienced, what I've seen, and what's happened with many of students over, over the last 15 years, tens of 15 years, is... I've seen a rapid increase in the in number of organizations and employers looking to hire counselors. First of all, we're cheaper. We're not as expensive as the other professionals, which I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing, but it creates more work for counselors. Um, so places like um, not-for-profits, like youth, youth organizations, even some, you know, independents and Catholic schools will have counselors, not the public school system because they still require um, psychologists. We have um, I have some students who ended up after their degree working in alcohol and drug counselling. Um, lots of hospitals are looking for alcohol, alcohol and drug counsellors, domestic violence support counsellors, aged care counsellors. A few of my students have ended up in New South Wales Health doing um, um, DV work and aged care work as counsellors. Um, some work with the psychologists actually. I'm finding that some some GP practising and psychologists would offer some counsellors a place to, to to work out of. A few people end up doing private practice as well. Um, so there are lots of opportunities for counselors um, once once they um complete their qualifications. I always encourage them to seek registration with one of the professional bodies, whether ACA, which is Australian Counselor Association, uh, or on the PACPA, which is a psychotherapy uh, and um, counseling federation of Australia. So there's opportunities I feel for for um, counselors upon graduation. Mm.
0: So, do counselors often find themselves then? Because you mentioned a couple of uh, services or areas where counselors work in, such as DV and drug and alcohol counseling. Would you say that counselors work quite closely or alongside social workers in those settings?
1: Yes, that's a good question. I'd the say they do. Usually it's a team approach. And when we work in that way, we find that. The same clients could be, you know, working with a team of um, um, allied health professionals. Um, they could have a referral to the social worker who then does a referral to the counselor. Or it may have come from a GP to the psychologist, then a social worker who's managing the case. And then a counselor that will then provide ongoing, you know, support for the client. I'll always back to the talking therapies at the end of the day. Um, because it's it's all well and good if an individual has say seen this specialist or psychiatrist, once they've got a diagnosis, where do they go with it? You know, so there'll always be work for counselors. If the has come a long way in the last you know fifteen twenty years, where we're finding that people are more aware of what counselors can offer, and
0: many counselors are doing really good work. So what kind of Attributes make a good counselor?
1: Oh, I started this discussion with you by talking about being a helper. So I like to ask those in my class, the students, I go, why are you doing this? You know, so I like the idea that you want to be helpful, you want to help people. It's also important to be um, a good listener, you know, open, you want to be genuine. Those are some of the um, attributes you want to be, you know, kind of listen with both hands when. Uh, someone presents to you. You do not want to be judgmental, so non-judgmental, because in our counselling rules we see everything and anything, and your stance as a counsellor matters. So those are um, in my opinion.
0: Hmm. So I wanted to ask you a question about location of counselling, particularly in in, uh, comparison between metropolitan and city areas versus rural and regional areas. Is there any difference or obstacles to overcome in either of those regions for people wanting to access counselling services?
1: There are obstacles still, which is unfortunate. I feel like with metropolitan areas, we are spoiled for choice, you know, Uh, with regional rural areas. There's kind of an imbalance there where especially When looking at the gender, from a gender perspective, there tends to be more female counsellors available than males. I'm not sure why. Um, Some clients would rather, you know, see whether a a male counsellor or a female counsellor. So I find that with lots of regional areas versus metropolitan areas, we do not have lots of options for clients. So they're forced to go with, you know, whatever the referral is. Not having lots of options. It's changing. I can see that there are lots of organizations, places like Headspace and everyone, they're creating opportunities for counselors um, to seek more clients. On Lorraine is another option, which since COVID, it's just exploded. Everyone's doing telehealth, you know, everyone, the psychologist, counselors, we have that option now to go jump on if we need a counselor. So I feel it's created more opportunities for the clients who's seeking counselling and also the counsellor who does not need to travel very far anymore to see as many clients as possible that may able help. So I'm not sure if that answers your question, but that's the direction my brain's going right now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. So do you feel that there is still a stigma today surrounding mental health and surrounding people who may want to seek out a counsellor, but may be held back from feelings of shame? And and if so, are there ways that we can overcome this?
1: I feel like the stigma is still there, which is unfortunate, because we should be passed back. We've come so far that mental health, I feel, should be talked about more openly. There are still people who are not asking for help, people who are in pain. It should be normalised. Everyone's got, we've all got our neuroses. Everyone's got something. <laughs> when a client turns up in my counseling, I say to them, listen, if we all sit down and start to unpack, you know, what it is we're all dealing with, you know, what our trauma is, you'll find that this is so normal, you know. So if we start by normalizing it and, and then the clients will come back, hopefully. Hopefully there's a connection between, you know, client and counselor there's only so much I can teach in a classroom when I teach, you know, in a lecture with the students. But I always say to counselling students, if your client doesn't come back the first time, then the next client doesn't come back again, the third time, the third client, then there is a problem with your counselling, you know? But realistically, there are some clients that really will not return to counselling. But if you keep trying as a counsellor, keep developing your skills feel like you should be able to connect to the client they shouldn't feel that the stigma around you know mental health help seeking, and they should come back to you they should you know at some point connect with a counsellor may not be you that you know the first counsellor it may be another counsellor but the more we say listen this is an open discussion we should not say mental health um, should should
0: be stigmatized it's it's not uncommon in, in every society. You know. So, you mentioned just then that sometimes clients won't come back to counselors for various different reasons, whether that's for stigma, whether that's because the client and the counselor don't necessarily meet each other's needs uh, in that professional setting. What advice do you have for counselors or your students when coming up against clients who no longer want to return to that practice or to that particular counselor?
1: If, if what i would say to a student are you asking what i'd say to my students if that happens i'll say take heart don't don't be discouraged they may just be visiting i call those kind of clients visitors it's not unusual to have a client who's a mandated client or who's a visiting client um, and it's it's bad for a client to say listen this is not a good fit for me some may be looking for a christian counselor or someone who identifies with the LGBT community or someone who identifies with someone from their culture. I've had clients who say to me, You are not Filipina, you are not from the Philippines. I will not see you by. I didn't take offense. What should have happened at the beginning was the intake counselor should have asked, What is your preference? Do you have would you like to, you know, to see it so you're open to, you know, whoever we refer you to. So I will say to two students that just you just kick, you know developing your skills and that's why we, we say in counseling always seek supervision you know even if I'm 100 years old I will always have a supervisor so that you get guidance and there's always oversight on There's registered clinical supervisors then you go back to if you're unsure about what you're doing back to the drawing board more training we have lots and lots of training in counseling. Over the years, there's a certain number of professional development you must do each year, as with psychology or social work, so that you're learning new skills. You know, you can say, listen, I'd like to learn EMDR, or I'd, learned, I'd like to learn to become, you know, a cognitive behavior therapist or, or emotionally focused therapist. You need to go do additional training, you know. So you can't just see clients without doing additional training every so often. So that would really help for our professional
0: development. Mm. So the new Bachelor of Counselling is commencing next year at Southern Cross University. Would you be able to tell us a bit about that course and what students can expect?
1: Yes, it's all exciting. We're we're receiving applications now, lots of interest. We've done open day interest on the Gold Coast, on my campus as well, so the degree is a three-year degree. We're gonna have um third year would be fully, you know, placement semester, term one, we're now on a term basis. That I mean, we term one, two, three, and four, you you'll have your pracs, the whole thing, you're gonna to go to placement. Um, you'll be in rest at an agency, it could be a school setting, a hospital, um, just a facility that's willing to have counselors in training. You'll be sent out there for hundred hours for the first block first two terms and then the next two terms you do another 100 hours and that is a requirement for accreditation with ACA or PACFA. Um, Luckily we've been successful in in getting our endorsement PACFA um, ACA accreditation so let me correct that ACA is the Australian Counselor Association they've just written to us yesterday uh, that they've approved our application for accreditation so that's really good those who are looking to pursue professional work as a um, counselor for completing the degree because there you have assurance that your degree is accredited by one of the professional um, bodies. So within that degree, we have um, first year will be initial skills training. You know, what what is counseling? What are the theories of counseling? We'll start to teach you attending skills, you know, how to talk to a client, just listening, you know, just you do lots of experiential work, lots of um, uh, role plays. We will have intensive uh, residentials on campus. There will be some online as well components, a bit of both. You get to meet your colleagues, so you will not be working in isolation obviously. So across the three-year degree, we will have a mix of residentials on campus, online, um, as required by our accredited bodies, because we can't just be fully remote. Counseling requires lots of you know, human connection, and we get that um, within the course. Um, the second year, especially, we have um, options for the students to learn a bit more about areas they may be interested in, like family therapy. Some people may be interested in uh, in counseling just couples or children. We've got a um, unique study they can study so that they start to learn about working with children, how you do counseling with children or with families. We also do addictions. That's very important. We do some addictions counselling because lots, a lot of employers are asking you know, for people to have some kind of experience or, or learning around it. So it's good to know the theory and then we show you a bit of the practice around addictions um, counselling as well. Then across the degree, we then teach you a few counselling modalities just to get the, st- the students started so they're confident enough to go to the place placements and say, oh, I've learned a bit about um, acceptance and commitment therapy I'm going to practice it now at placelets and see how I go with my um, clients and the good thing is in the third year the supervisor is going to be available to help you hold your hand while you're doing placelets so if you try a counselling approach and it doesn't work back to the dry board with your, account, with your supervisor you say listen supervisor I try to do CBT or I try to do ACT the clients wasn't having any effect. Where did I go wrong? Or how can I, you know, go back to the Cal room with a new approach? So there is
0: lots of support every step of the way throughout the degree. Fantastic. So what advice do you have for students that are thinking about undertaking this bachelor?
1: I'll say you'll enjoy it every step of the way. It's a learning process because it's not just about helping other people. You also learn more about yourself. There's a lot of self-awareness there, lots of formation work, lots of self-reflection. Because before you can help other people, you want to start with you. I always encourage people that seek your own counseling first. Ask yourself, why do I want to do this? You know, before you start to um, help other people, you want to make sure that you have sought your own help as well. So, but it should be very exciting. I'll say learn all to be a counsellor.
0: I'll be very excited at you. So, AB, I have time for one last question for you. What advice do you have for listeners who may have been thinking about reaching out to a counsellor and accessing support?
1: I'll say do it. Do it. Lifeline's always free. Lifeline's are um, about everything. They have face-to-face, online. There are other counselling services that are free, like Friendship Centre, there's quite a few about I just talk to the counselor. start the discussion, not judgment. I and a good counselor will not be judgmental. It's it's a very good thing to ask for help if you need it. Or just talk to someone. You know, I'll say reach out here. Thank you so much for being here with us today, AB. It's been such a pleasure to speak to you. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me, Reba. It's been great talking to you too. Mm-hmm.
0: We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of this land. We would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging.